Hello, viewers, and welcome back to episode two of this new Silver Screen Movie Podcast. I am your regular host, Michael Wilson, uh, here to talk about movies. I hope you enjoyed our first episode. This week, we are talking about something very dear to my heart, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and we will be reviewing the latest movie uh, released in theatres, and that's Eternals. Uh, but I am not alone. I could never do this alone. And I have a very special guest. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Yes. Hello. My name is Toby. Um, it's lovely to be here. And yeah, I watch a lot of Marvel stuff and just very excited about it and love to talk about it with other people. <laughs> Absolutely, me too, yeah. So um, we've both seen Eternals. We were just talking before the recording. We both saw it roughly, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it's still relatively fresh in our minds, but we both saw it at the cinema. Um, at least I think you did, Toby. Yeah. Yes, yes. I <laughs> watched it one day after it came out, I think, or two days. Not, not <laughs> very long after it, it yeah. came out. Yeah, I'm always there. First thing for the Marvel movies, at the very least. So, um, yeah, awesome. Well, well, usually I'm not, but this time it just happened to work. Oh, fair enough. That's okay. Um, we will get into a little bit um, at the end because I want to go through the film first. Then at the end, I've got some like audience interaction stuff. So okay. just some things that um, I asked on Twitter about what other people's opinions of the film are. And just for a little bit of interest, and I know you saw this because you replied, um, just how would you rate sort of phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe yes. so far? Um, so I have a few people's kind of ratings of that that I thought would be interesting to touch on at the end as well uh, and where Eternals ranks like in that. Um, but without further ado, we'll get started with the film. Uh, and yeah, uh, as I said, this, these notes will be kind of chronological um, as, as best I can. But if we thought about characters and ideas and stuff, that uh, we'll go with the flow as well. So just bear with us. We're just learning as we go. But uh, I wanted to start by saying that um, the film itself begins like thousands of years BC in the past. 5000 BC. Indeed. <laughs> wow, yeah. someone's done his homework. <laughs> Mesopotamia, 5000 BCs. Awesome. Um, yeah, the thing that I, I wanted to mention that about is that um, it never feels to me like there's that much that it was set like that long ago. These flashbacks and stuff, they don't seem, they seem a little bit small, I guess, in comparison. And I was expecting, since this is a film, to feel the sense of like, wow, this is a grand you know, a world completely removed from our own, but it was very much, it could have been filmed on a set somewhere. <laughs> um, and that's true, I think, of a lot of, well, most of the flashbacks, not necessarily all. I think the Babylon flashback was pretty impressive. Um, yes. I but I was wondering if you had any similar thoughts about the flashbacks or if you were, if you think I'm completely crazy and you just thought they were impressive potentially, because I know some people did. But... Well, I don't... I disagree with that. I think the, they looked really good. Every flashback looked really good to me, but I think they should have played a bigger role in the movie because yes. going in, I thought, okay, we're getting this grand, this big Eternals that's just like they were here on Earth for so many years and we're just going through them, their journey until now. That's yeah. what I thought we were going into and it isn't that yeah exactly <laughs> and the, yeah and the flashbacks only really serve to to build out the characters which you know most movies have flashbacks for that purpose and most of them spent just 10 years 15 years mm. in the past for that 
here because we have the Eternals being such long living beings. We have them just set more in the past, which is okay, it's fine, but it I didn't feel like the flashbacks were used uniquely for this uh grand scheme as yeah. they should have been. I- I think one of them does, and that's the scene. I may as well bring it up now. The scene that um, I really liked, which was when Fastos sees that kind of humanity has developed with his help to sort of the level of technology that they've developed the atomic bomb, and he kind mm-hmm. of loses all faith in humanity because it's very much like, well, these people don't deserve saving. And I really like that. And I thought more scenes like that would have been impactful, kind of seeing emotional effects that various historical things might have had on the Eternals or even seeing the scenes where they might have agonized with, oh, we're not supposed to interfere, but we kind of want to during all of these horrible wars or just any of the, the Marvel films where it's almost been the end of the world, you know? Um, yeah. But it's, it's very glossed over. And that was my other big sort of problem was that there's a 500-year period that's just never seen. You don't see anything yes. that happened there. And it's like, that seems like it might have been... And there's a few things that are mentioned as having happened character-wise where certain characters' motivations change or certain characters either fall in love or um, you know, d- decide not to pursue a relationship. And it's like, instead of telling us all of that, it might have been nice to see some flashbacks to things of like that nature as well. Um, but yeah, I think the film, it, it does a lot for what it can in sort of two hours, 40 minutes, I think it was. Um, uh, one hundred fifty minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, two and a half like, hours then. Yeah, yeah, two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but I'd still think, and and maybe this is just me, that because of the sheer, because of the scale of the Eternals living for like thousands upon thousands of years, and the, the sheer number of characters, I personally feel like they would have been better served with a Disney Plus series um, that could really get into it. Um, do you agree, or would you rather have seen this at, at, on the big screen as a sort of big spectacle? Okay, two things on this. First of all, I didn't think of the Disney Plus, but now that you mention it, I think it's first a great idea because you can just separate between times and just have mm-hmm. one episode play at one time and then just jump forward as it goes. But what I also really like and what I would have loved to see on big screen is that the visuals, they, mm. they don't really come across as much in the Disney Plus series. So I think yeah. both... But overall, I think the narrative is more important than the visuals. So while we would have lost the, the great visuals, who I think, which I think looked great, if we had lost them for a better storytelling and a better as a Disney Plus series, I would have taken that. But yeah, yeah. I know what you mean because I'm I'm similar to you in that I love the when it gets really grand and you have yes. like the the outer space scenes or the Celestials look really really impressive as effects, obviously. Um, and I would have, I wouldn't have liked to lose being able to see that on the big screen. But maybe there's even a compromise where you get like all of the flashbacks as a series of character work, and then the sort of present day stuff in a film. But I don't suppose they'd ever do that because it would be like people wouldn't see the film that hadn't seen the series or whatever. But it just seems like weird to have tried to serve so many characters at once, and I don't think it super works. Um, yeah, no, I think that would have gotten too messy. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the only other thing I could think of that they could potentially have done, and that's maybe this is just me, is that it seems like there's certain characters that you could have combined um, without like having to serve as many characters, because a lot of them serve the same function yes. in, to my eyes. So like um, Fastos and Gilgamesh, for example, don't need to necessarily be separate characters. Um, they could have easily been combined, or um, any sort of couple of Eternals could be combined into one character and the fact that they've kind of swapped the gender of a few of them shows that it's not a matter of like well we want to stay true to the comics so they wouldn't have been 
afraid to do that. And yeah, I think it would have avoided a lot of trying to have what ten main characters to serve, um, which has some other problems that come up uh, as a result of that. But I'll mention yeah. that like as I go on. So, yeah. One thing I also wanted to mention that you said a little earlier that. Um, they should have tried more stuff with um, how the humans affected the Eternals. Yeah. And I think they kind of tried with Cersei and her uh, being affected by that, but I just don't think it never really goes in there. It just stops yeah. quite close to it. And you could see where they were going with it, but it just never really goes completely yeah. full ground with it. I see what you mean. But yeah, Cersei, I would argue, is probably the closest thing like a heroic main character that the film has. It throws in Dane Whitman to kind of give her a bit of human interest, I think, yes. to, to give you that. But then there's one scene in particular that bugged me that we didn't see a little bit more of it, which is when it's revealed that Ajax changed her mind about like the, their overall mission. And she says mm -hmm. that it was because she was inspired by the heroics of the Avengers in saving the world and everything. And it's like, it would have been nice to have seen that rather than just her tell us about it. Like, I know we've all seen those movies, yeah. but we don't see the effect that that has on her or how that makes her change her mind. Um, and that's a problem, I think, a few times is that characters say that they've decided something, but we don't see what's prompted it. Also, also I think it would have been more... Better if she didn't change her mind because of the Avengers, because I think like you should change your mind because of humanity, not the Avengers who are yes. just like very special in this universe and yeah, exactly, very yeah. special humans mostly. Um kind of. Yeah, no, I see what you mean, and I think that's in a way that ties into another character, which is what I'd say about Fastos, because like I said, I mentioned that. It's really powerful when he kind of loses faith yes. in humanity during that scene. And then we see him later, and of course he's he's got his faith back because he's fallen in love and he's got a family and everything. And again, it would have been nice to have seen that because that's a big journey from, like, I'm sick of these humans, they don't deserve to live, mm -hmm. to, oh, now I can see the value of humanity because I've got a husband and a child and everything. Um, and it might have been nice to touch on that a little bit more to exactly what you said, to show that humanity does have that influence on the Eternals. Um, and that it has the human influence on the Eternals, not just the Avengers influence. Which exactly, is yeah. It's not all superheroes and like ultra-powered yes. beings. It's more about saving hu literally humanity, you know? Um, also, a movie delivering a message that, that the human race deserves to be saved because of Avengers is kind of a slap in the face for the real <laughs> human race. Like, yeah. we, don't care about, we care about the Avengers because they're so cool. Yeah, I get what they're saying. They're kind of, the, 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 the point, I think, the theme is that like yeah. we all, we're all heroic and it's kind of the heroic side of humanity that they're responding to. But you're right that it's very muddled in what it's trying to say about that. And uh, yeah, it, it, it would be nice if they recognized like the beauty of the world and stuff. And there are moments of that in there, but I was expecting, I think, just a little bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, regardless, um, I just wanted to move to the next scene then after, because we talked quite a lot about that just based on that. So uh, the scene switches to like present day London, basically. Um, we have, have it revealed that the last deviant was supposedly killed in 1521. So as I said, they've been basically just kicking around for 500 years, the Eternals, uh, waiting for a call home, which first of all is very weird to me that they haven't, they've just lived for 500 years waiting around. But uh, um, the other thing I have an issue with is that given the scenes that we do see, I refuse to believe that they would have stayed hidden for 500 years. Sprite can't even stay hidden for like the duration of the time we see her in the bar without almost getting caught out. It just seems like in 500 years, there wouldn't have been somebody that would have seen through this and Cersei changing buses into flowers or whatever else all of a sudden. It's like, 
I, I don't fully buy that these are people who would be restrained enough to hide for hundreds of years without doing something. Yeah, um, I agree, but also it's it's one of the points where you're right, but also I don't care. Yeah, I know. I, I get that you kind of have to. That's the nature of the movie is that you have to sort of do it. But again, it might have been nice to have a more gradual reason why they're a bit more lax about things now or explain that sort of, oh, maybe because the, the world is now full of more and more weird things and superheroes and wizards, people are wouldn't immediately leap to the assumption of oh, we've revealed who we are and we're these extra dimensional or extraterrestrial beings or whatever, but they don't really get into that. It's just, oh, we've almost revealed ourselves. <laughs> and there's a quick reference, I think, to um, yeah. to Dane comparing Cersei to Doctor Strange, which is kind of amusing. Yeah, no, I, I did like the scenes in London because, as you say, it's nice that we at least get a little bit of, um, of Cersei's kind of day-to-day -day and her connection with humanity. I'd have liked to see a bit more of her relationship with Icarus because it's way more of a love triangle in the comics and it's kind of like it's explained here that they were married i think it, it hints at, at the, in the past and that he basically left her because yes they were married they yeah. had a ceremony in at the oh was it no it was not at the aztecs where was it um Somewhere between Babylon and Aztecs, I think, was so much. There is, there is one of the scenes that's like one of the Spanish Civil yeah. Wars or something. It could be one of those, but I'm not 100%. Oh, maybe it was Azte Aztec Empire. I thought it was earlier. Could have been, yeah. Um, in any case, it, it really explains that, like, oh, they were madly in love and everything. And all we really get is the one scene when they first see each other when they wake up on yes. the ship, the Domo, um, and see, like, she's admiring the beauty of Earth and he's admiring her and... And that's it. And then it's just like she's in a relationship with Dane and Icarus turns back up and you reveal why he sort of abandoned her for the mission and stuff. But we didn't get a sense to me of their relationship at all. It was just that one scene when they first met, which is very strange. And uh, I, I, yeah, I'd have liked to see a bit more of a struggle with her being torn between her human and her sort of fellow eternal, maybe. Um, but again, you know, the film has a lot to do and I can understand it has to stay a bit focused so I can forgive it. Yeah, the quick note that I made here that I really wanted to mention, and this is this is just me, and it's probably not going to really have bothered anybody else, but it really bugged me, was that it doesn't make any explanation or any attempt to explain why all the Eternals have different accents like from the second that they're born. Like, the, there's a Scottish guy, an Irish yeah. guy, there's like a Mexican accent, there's broad English accent, and it's like, why would they all sound completely different? Like, at least try to explain it or say that they've lived in cultures that have influenced them or something exactly but... <laughs> i would have seen something like that i don't care that they're all multicultural or they're all different skin colors or whatever because that is what it is and you would want to make a broad range i guess of people to fit in amongst humans so i'm fine with that right. and maybe that's the excuse but yeah <laughs> mm, well maybe and that's just a huge reach but maybe uh, i thought that they tried maybe they could somehow know how the cultures will be in the future and then mm. very early try to influence this partially so that yeah. these could fit in in so that these could fit in in different culture by having at least one person who is you know closer to them so that they could easily build more trust yeah i mean it's not the sort of thing that i really should be hyper focusing on because re really the reason is just that it's easier for an acting perspective to just let the actors keep their own accent. Yeah. Um, which is weird because then there's at least one actor that doesn't because Angelina Jolie does her best Lara Croft Tomb Raider British accent <laughs> for no reason, <laughs> which is odd. Um, 
But yeah, so speaking of which, anyway, talking of Thena, that was the very next scene, which is the reveal that she's got the the Mad Weary, which is, the, by the way, the most brilliantly cheesy name for this thing ever, um, which I thought was just like literally the words Mad and Weary, but it is spelt in a really funky, cool way in the com comics, and it is a real thing. So I was like, okay, okay. I'll forgive you, because <laughs> it's not just like you're insane and tired. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really like that as a concept, and I thought it would be nice if they made a bit more about this and what what Thena's struggle was, and the idea that she can be healthy but lose all her memories, and would that be a, something she'd ever consider? And is that really a loss of personality? Um, you know, going into mm -hmm. that a little bit more because to me, that character Thena was just really flat and didn't do a whole lot, and I didn't really think Angelina oh. Jolie was a good performance personally. Oh. Um, oh, but that's that. Maybe that's okay. just me. I mean, feel free to disagree. A lot of people would have. Yeah, I disagree that. heavily. Okay. With that okay. Fair enough. I actually thought Fina was my favorite character in the movie because okay. she was the only Gunner who I felt had a sense of majestic sense of hugeness to her yeah, sense of. She just had a presence in the movie that just really stood out for me and just really, I just really liked. And I also really liked the idea of the storyline she had in this movie, which wasn't fleshed out as. Most of the stuff wasn't in this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but but from from all the storylines, I think she had the most interesting, and I would probably say the, one of the ones that were most spent time with. Mm. Yeah, I can see where that where you're coming from with that. I certainly um, I certainly agree with you that yeah, maybe that's why I think she seemed a bit flat to me was that she was supposed to be this majestic, unreachable, almost regal character. And in that regard, I think, yes, Jolie does do a really good job. And I really loved even the um, the special effects of the way she, like, manifests her weapons and, and fights and yes. stuff. Uh, they were impressive to me. And, yes, they were probably the best fight scenes were the things that involved her. Uh, it's just, yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of her maybe. <laughs> but, again, maybe there's, there's hopefully going to be sequels, so you never know. And um, I do think on a sort of the opposite to what I was saying, though, one thing I do like that this storyline gives you is the chance to develop Gilgamesh as a character as well, because him kind of stepping up to be her protector and sort of because he is the strong sort of butch guy, revealing him to be the guy who's like stereotypically got a heart of gold and will use that strength to mm -hmm. protect her and let her keep her memories because he can take it if she, you know, she goes crazy and attacks him or anything, I think was a really cool touch. But again, it's a shame that that character is immediately killed because the film just realizes, you know, super strong you know, uber character uh, amongst like 10 other characters. You can't really have the time and effort to serve him. So it's quicker to just kill him off, which is a shame. Um, and, and, and they did everything they wanted to do with him. Like they showed him having his soft side and then there was no use for him in the story anymore. So they just ripped him off. Yeah, which is, yeah, extreme. I mean, it's also cool that it gives Crow, the, the deviant guy, a chance to sort of evolve, for want of a better word, and become human mm -hmm. and be able to talk and stuff by draining his powers. But it's not super clear why he didn't get that ability from draining Ajax in the first place. Because <laughs> like he gets her healing power, and that's fair enough, but then it's only when he takes the power from Gilgamesh that he develops into what looks more like a humanoid creature. And it just seemed very convenient, which a lot of the things I think in the film kind of do to me. Um, but Well, I would believe that they pro the probably intention behind it is that the more people mm. he absorbs, the closer he gets, but because we only have Two, sta two stages, I think. It's yeah, exactly. one jump, and we don't see the evolution. I think with the third step, we would have really seen where this was going. Hmm. Yeah, I can understand that, definitely. Um, that's fair enough. 
Uh, I'm not super clear on what it means when when Druig kind of decides to leave them and, and go his own way. Like, I get that that character in the comics is kind of a... He's the closest to a bad guy and kind of doesn't obey their rules. But it just seemed like he was disappearing to just interfere with human history. And they were all fine with it. They just let him go. And I was just very, like, taken aback by that and just thought, that's really weird. Because they don't really make any effort to stop him or anything, despite this being a supposedly unbreakable rule and then even when he appears later it's like he has been interfering but only in like a specific section of the world or something so that character i don't think has a point really in the movie um, yeah. he's not he's not served as kind of the bad guy that he often is in some of the comic stories and as a pushback against everything you've already got kind of the two opposing factions so it just seems like he's a tad redundant and he's there to sort of say oh because you have the mind control powers maybe you can save the day with those at the end but even that's a red herring because it doesn't end up working so yeah it's a shame also i don't really like when when movies just go with people who know mind manipulating it's all, mm. always those people who just go overboard and just do too much well they kind of restrain it here to this very specific section of the world yeah but still i just i don't know why it's always them that just go overboard in one way or another, but it's just... I think it's 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 always the assumption, isn't it, that if you had any superpower, the idea that you could influence other people would would probably naturally take you to, to nasty places because you wouldn't put up with anything. And then in the end, it's basically... It's like the, the power corrupts kind of idea, isn't it? You have the power to make people do what you want, but then should you have that ability? Because well, who are you to decide, you know? And uh, Yeah. Which makes sense if if you gave a human this power, mm. I could see that. But like like we have especially here with the Eternals, Eternals, I think maybe not going down this road would have been a better fit. But yeah. I, I don't I don't know much about comics. So as you said that uh, in the comics he's more of a yeah anti more... antihero type. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, um... So it works within the comics. So. Maybe they just wanted to kind of bring that influence in. Yeah, but just definitely. as an outside viewer, it just felt a little bit definitely. And I will redundant. say that um, I, I will add that the actor who plays him, who I'm not even going to try and pronounce his surname, but it's Barry something. <laughs> it's like a very Irish Gaelic surname. Um, he does a really, really good job with the very little that he gets, and even the little hints at the end, even though it comes out of nowhere that he might have a sort of relationship with Macari. Uh, and they might have a bit of a love connection going is really interesting but again it's just like last minute and it comes out of nowhere and it might have been nice to develop either develop that or save it for another movie or um but yeah it just seems I'm, like these are just added for the sake of it i mean there was a hint of it or at least i noticed a hint of it in this one flashback scene where she, where mccurry is is it gambling or what was it at, at this table with the artifacts and stuff i don't know exactly what oh, was going on but that. But they had they had a look. They looked at each other, and I thought, well, they're probably a couple. They're going to be a couple. Okay, fair enough. Okay, well, I, I but that was just a minor that. notice I had, so I don't think, I don't know if any if it translated to anyone else, and I just saw something that wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. <laughs> no, that makes sense. But again, I, I suppose it's probably just for lack of time that they wanted to. That that's probably the best they could do. But I missed it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah, again, I've mentioned it already, but I'd like to have seen a bit more thought about like not interfering with human affairs. And the really confusing part to me is, isn't Thanos technically their responsibility? Because he is like, 
he's part eternal or part deviant or something, at least in the comics. And they kind of hint at that here with the post credit scene. So wouldn't it? Wouldn't they kind of have to interfere? Not to mention if the blip apparently slowed down this emergence that was their plan of the celestial like being born. Wouldn't mm -hmm. the celestials want them to interfere to prevent that? <laughs> it all just seems like the, the, they've written these things, and then there's no huge logic behind. Well, yeah, why would they let that happen and then just be relieved that the Avengers brought you know fifty percent of of all the population back because it suits your plan kind of thing? It just seems like. There was a lot of them sitting around not worrying about stuff until they had to because it's their movie, um, which I didn't love, to be honest, but yeah. Um. Well, what really makes this doesn't work is especially because they have a permanent connection to the Celestia so like they can yeah. talk to it. If, if, they, if they couldn't talk to it, you could just say, well, they weren't sure if they should interfere or not and just just not to oh yeah no i don't blame the eternals for not interfering if they've been given those orders but my point is that the celestials wouldn't want half of the they population should have given gone. them an order no that, that's what i'm saying yeah I'm trying to say exactly yeah with uh, thanos being half celestial half deviant or something oh thanos yeah he's definitely related in some way to them he's definitely yeah because like his brother's an eternal so i'm sure he is something to do with that anyway oh yeah i just noticed on wikipedia it said visited by the eternal evos mm. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know this when, when watching a movie. So, like from from someone who doesn't know this kind of stuff, I it, it doesn't feel that way in the movie. It doesn't yeah. feel that way. Like, uh, like it was is an eternal and Thanos has something deep. You don't notice that. But I just thought very. I just thought it was very weird that Thanos Thanos is so big and his brother is. Yeah, well, doesn't look anything like him. Yeah, and I just think, wait, what? I think if I remember, this is really, really nerdy, but I'm sure if I remember correctly, in the comics, they say that he was an Eternal that was born with the Deviant gene, which is why he looks so weird and purpley and sort of over, over muscled and everything. Um, but again, I, that's just the comics. The films never get into it, at least not yet. Um, because again, it would probably contradict whatever they tried to say in this movie. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I just like when a postcard scene points to the future without opening up 3000 questions yeah going forward. like like uh, to, to give to give one example of a post question i really liked was in black widow with um mm. elena where they pointed that she was going to have uh, to somehow to do with hawkeye in the future and yeah they did they, they already told us what role she was going to have initially mm. And we can be excited about that or just don't like the idea what she's doing, but we know enough stuff that we don't have like a lot of questions in our head. No, yeah. we just <laughs> Yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. And again, it's because it's because I think they want to go bigger and bigger with these post credit scenes. And so it's to feed them into the story would make more sort of artistic sense, not to sound too kind of over the top, but but that doesn't give you the impact that the audience goes, Oh wow, it's this character I recognize, you know. Um what is yeah. what is very weird is that they do the exactly same thing, kind of in the second post credit scene. Yeah, and that is weird. Like, oh, we'll get there. Yeah, and they like do, do the same mistake. I would say, if you want to call it a mistake. Yeah, and it's and it's even weirder there. I think, in my opinions, I think even that's if it's less. That's kind of because I think it's it's it. I love those things because I'm such a comic book nerd. But at the same time, I acknowledge that that's fully who those scenes are for. Like, if you didn't know the comics or anything, those scenes mean absolutely nothing to you. 
and that does frustrate me on behalf of people because it's like I'd rather that people are you know treated like you know you don't have to know these things going in you can briefly introduce characters in a nice way rather than just oh he's he has these things you better go look it up now kind of thing. so which bugs me but yeah I, I can and, forgive it I suppose and, and they did the two movies now where they where they make, make good post credit scene that give more context for viewers give more excitement for viewers I would I would argue on... the, I would argue the Shang Chi post credit scene bugged me more because it, I don't think it knows where it's going and that really is yeah. just oh we we're, we're gonna make it sound like we've got something cool in mind but we haven't decided yet. <laughs> But but it, but at least to people who are watching this understand, yeah, like where we are heading roughly. And with this, I don't understand anything at all. Well, I'm just going post credit scene. Well, what? Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll talk about it when we get to the end because I do have a couple yeah. of thoughts about it and we can we can discuss it. But um, yeah. related to sort okay. of that second post credit scene, that that brings me back to the point that I was going to make at, at this point, which is just that. There's no reason to me why Dane Whitman is in this film. It doesn't make any sense, except that firstly, they were lacking any sort of completely human characters. And because they have a love triangle thing in the comics, they wanted to include him for the character of Cersei's sake. But then again, they marketed the movie as if Kit Harrington was like one of the main stars. And he gets like two scenes. He's in it for about 10 minutes. And I was like, I'd have preferred if they were going to do that. Just don't announce it and have him as like a cameo or something. Um, that, that we know is going to go somewhere in the future because the character here doesn't really do anything at all. He's completely ineffective. Um, but again, maybe I'm wrong and you're super excited for the character or something. I I didn't. I, I Okay, let me say this. I like the character, but I don't like how he was used. I like the general idea with Love Triangle. I think that's a good idea. And I, li I like the bits we've seen from him. Mm. I genuinely like that. But with... <laughs> It's gonna be a running theme with this review. It never goes to the point where really. it just yeah. kind of just teases us with, okay, that's a potential storyline we're not going to explore. Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing. That I love that character, don't get me wrong, and I'm really super excited for the character becoming the comic book uh, sort of hero that, that is hinted at, spoiler alert, but, um, well, but at the same um, time, yeah, it, it doesn't really... I have a lot really... to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> well, fair enough, we'll get to it. Uh, but no, it just seems weird because that storyline doesn't have anything to do really with the Eternal storyline. It's a separate subplot that is in a film that already is trying to do too much, <laughs> you know? Um, I think yeah. you could have cut it personally, but maybe that's just me. Um, talking about the, the, the logic that lacks in things as well, um, when it sort of finally gets revealed that it was Icarus that killed Ajak because she was kind of faltering in her dedication to the mission, does, didn't it occur to him? Wouldn't he know that she has that staffed communication sphere and it would look for somebody else to go to? So he would surely know he's going to be rumbled eventually. <laughs> like Either that or he's just really dumb. <laughs> yeah, again, it's just convenience for the plot because somebody has to uncover what's gone on, I guess. But um, I, 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 do... I don't like any of the twists this movie tried to. Oh yeah, no, let's no. yeah. I, I let's talk about that because okay, I, no, I was going to say this character thing. twists. I want to specify character twists. Yeah, I agree, and I think that what you're probably going to say is the same as me that I really don't like the twist with Icarus. The idea that he, yes. he ultimately turns out to be the the big bad guy, I guess, of the movie. Um, I don't like that at all. <laughs> and then kind of not, and then kind of too, and then maybe what? Because yeah. they, in the end, he's just like. Well, uh, for Cersei's sake, I do that, and then he just flies into the sun. Just yeah. Because... 
which is because solely it fits yeah. the mythological story. Just, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's it's... a nice picture. I yes. feel like this was one of the things they planned in in the beginning. They're like, that's a cool picture to to have in the end, him flying to the sun. Let's see how we get there. Yeah, exactly. But it's also just because they need him off the board. They need a way to defeat him. And they've established that these guys are so powerful and like, what else could you really do? So yeah. it's ultimately like, but again, that's, that's a symptom of this guy's lived for 500 years with the knowledge of this and he's so resolute and determined and stuck to the mission. And then in five minutes, he's like, oh no, I, I regret everything. I'm going to kill myself. So it's just sort of like, what? It, it's too quick if you're going to have characters that are this long lived to have them just yeah. immediately switch their mind in that kind of time. But again, I guess the, the movie has to get rid of him somehow. So you may as well, you know, allude to the Greek myth and be cheesy about it. Um, not Next, great. Second character to this. Um, and I'm still to this day not sure if I understood that correctly because it was very confusing to me. Sprite uh, was in love with Icarus. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, yeah, because that's a thing. I did not Again, buy that. <laughs> this, no, me neither. And this has nothing to do with the Eternals comics. And I only know what they're going for in this storyline because they've talked about it in sort of behind the scenes interviews the director mm -hmm. and the writers and they were basically wanting to do have you ever seen the movie interview with the vampire no um well basically there's a storyline in that movie where kirsten dunst's character is a little girl who was turned into a vampire as a young girl and so it's doomed to kind of stay young forever but she falls in love with the main character the sort of brad pitt vampire and yet he can't like have a relationship because he's obviously quite disgusted and sort of, oh, you're an eight-year-old girl in my eyes. Um, and it's just like they've already said they're trying to do that story because you have the potential to do it since they are immortal beings. And you can have the, oh, this character is stuck in the body of a child. And what would that do? And how would you react to this? But it's first of all, it's got nothing to do with the, the comic book characters. And secondly, I just don't think it works. It's very muddled and unclear. And it's the cheesiest part of the film when... At the very end, Cersei just says, oh, I have enough power that I can apparently turn you human. Just out of nowhere. <laughs> it's just like, what? This, this doesn't make sense. It's just convenience for, for the sake of it again. But, uh, yeah. Also, I think, like, a lot of the stuff isn't fully fleshed out, but with, with Spider Icarus, do we get any scene at all? What? Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's, it's definitely all there, the, the sprites. Yeah? yeah Maybe it's... I just missed that. <laughs> It's definitely there because then she okay. even sort of um, when when she stabs Cersei at the end, she has this big speech about how I've always been jealous of you because you can live as a woman and amongst people, and I still have to just always look like a child, and uh, it's it's not fair kind of thing, you know. No, um, okay, no, no, okay. I mean a different thing. Like before before she says like I'm going to join Icarus because mm. I'm in love with him. Like, do we have any scene where Spider expresses this love in some way, like just a look at least? I think I it's the same as um, it's the same as Druig and Makari. It is there, but it's very much like just looks across from a distance and stuff. So, well, I did yeah. not pick up this vibe. Uh, that's weird because I didn't pick up the other one, but I did in this one. So yeah, again, that's that's the film's fault though. It goes to show it's not super clear and it's trying to do this too many times, you know. Um, Anyway, but on a more positive note, I do like the comic book references because uh, the Dreaming Celestial story is a thing from the comics of the okay. uh, the Tiamut character that's kind of ends up half buried in the, the earth in the cool way that you get that visual at the end. Um, it's a bit different, but it is there. And even the idea of the earth being sort of a, an egg, I guess, for a bigger life form uh, is not from the Eternals comics. It's from a comic called Earth X, but it's a really popular comic. And so I was pleasantly surprised that that was something they included here. Um, which is cool. Uh, didn't, uh, 
on a similar note, I didn't love that they changed the Eternals into being basically robots um, rather than being like biological beings. But upon further research, I've discovered that that is from the recent comics. So I can't really be mad at it for being unfaithful from the source material. I just don't like it as an idea. It also leaves a few things unclear because it wasn't until I was reading the kind of scene by scene breakdown to make notes that I realized that they explain apparently in the film that um, because it's the the fact that the Eternals get mind wiped after every planet that kind of births a celestial. And it, that's the reason that Thena has this mad weary is because it was a mind wipe that went wrong. And she's remembering all these kind of past lives where her memories got erased. I had no sense that that was what the film was trying to say, but apparently it is. <laughs> um, did you pick up on that or was that just me? I did pick up on the storyline actually, but yeah. well, I, I I just pick up that picked up that something was wrong with the mind wipe. Mm, Not more than that. But I, I also think it's kind of weird if she remembers all the past, well, cycles. Didn't she have known the mission? Well, yeah, I think that's the point is that it hints that like when she has these flashes, that's what she's getting because she's like, no, we're all doomed. It's horrible. And but she doesn't consciously remember it. It's just when she gets the flashes of past lives and things. I mean, it's, and it's misconstrued as like, oh, she's just crazy. Oh, okay. Um, so, okay, I understand where they were going. They were going. They were going not that she remembers stuff, but just somewhere between mind wipe and completely remembering. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. That, that makes at least sense, even though. Yeah, <laughs> it does. But again, it's just it's an extra layer that's really weird and confusing, like a lot of things. Um, <laughs> and the the other issue that I have with this is again. In a film that I think struggles to find a heroic character, doesn't it technically mean that all of our heroes have committed multiple genocides? <laughs> Are we supposed to be okay with this? <laughs> it's very weird of a place to go. Like you've destroyed multiple planets, but because you didn't destroy this one, oh, you must be good after all. You know, it's just like no, that that's so super weird to me. Um, but regardless, I, I don't want to focus fully on the negative, so I want to get into some stuff that I did like, and it all revolves around a, a popular character, uh, and that's the character of Kingo, uh, played by Camille Nanjiani. I think is probably one of the better characters in here, because I think a lot of his storyline gives you the most MCU-feeling type moments to me, um, and I love the comedy of it, the broad idea that he kind of, he's imitated just being his own kind of dynasty of different uh, descendants, all being just Hollywood, Bollywood film stars, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's a fun character and a funny idea, um, and I think yes. that um, his his valet character, the Patel character, I'm starting to see that he's everyone's favorite character, and I think personally um, the reason for that is that he's the most relatable human being character that the movie gives you, <laughs> which I think is what it was sorely lacking because the, these people are all so unknowable and and whatever um, that I think we could have done with more of that, and again maybe maybe that was would have meant you include Dane more in the movie or something. I don't know. But again, kudos to uh, to these two characters, to Kingo and to Patel. Um, so did you have any thoughts on those scenes and those characters at all? Well, Kloon is not my favorite character. Okay. <laughs> but definitely like more on the top, more on the top side of characters, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he, he gave us some fun moments and he was, Mostly fun, but like that's it. You know, he was just a comic relief of this story, which was fine, which was good, which was okay. okay. And this was only on the top of the characters because a lot of the other characters were, yeah, bland. Questionable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's the thing. And uh, maybe it's just because I like the actor, I like Camille Nanjiani as a comedian, and I think he's got that 
comedy presence as well and so it gave you a lot of those funny and i think at that point in the movie i was just kind of feeling like i wanted it to be more like an mcu film um so it was it was probably a little bit of a relief at that point as well even though i know some people would complain about the formula and whatever else is that but i i liked it but again it's it's a shame that at the very last act of the movie they just get rid of king go because they would have too many characters to serve so it doesn't to me make any sense that he's like well i don't agree with icarus but i also don't <clears> want to fight him so i'm just gonna leave <laughs> just, that's it just not not take part in the fight speaking of which of characters that are a little bit wasted and pointless the deviants in this film don't really seem to to have a point they're kind of they're ultimately a red herring that you want to think they're the bad guy and then they're revealed not to be because of the whole twist of the mission was always to have earth destroyed and birth a celestial so to me it just seems unsatisfying that they're in the movie at all and it's really illogical that at the end they wouldn't just team up because they both end up having the same kind of the, the same bad guy in a way the celestials they both want to challenge that so it seemed weird that they didn't just put their differences aside and team up at the end i guess i, don't. I just don't understand didn't understand the deviants at all in this movie because they especially made up the storyline that oh there is there is two deviants left so they perp they closed it and purposely opened it up to oh, explore and then they just they again again with a lot of things in the movie they go somewhere with it they try to do to go somewhere with it with the storyline with uh gilgamesh getting killed and fina talking they at least have a direction where they wanted it to go but mm -hmm. every other direction this movie wanted to go it just yeah. it gets closely to where it's, where it's supposed to be but it just never gets them exactly and it's very sort of unsatisfying that it just things just happen that's what it seems like things happen and then they need to be got rid of um but i, I do think as well my my least favorite part of the movie because i think it's laughably bad is the idea that it spends what an hour or more saying the deviants were all killed 500 years ago but then reveals actually no they weren't they were just frozen in ice and now because of global warming they're suddenly free that that was awful writing to me it was just like first of all these whose only mission is to make sure these deviants are all dead wouldn't have noticed that they were just frozen somewhere after 500 years and secondly the kind of potentially heavy-handed like oh you see humans if you hadn't done global warming you would have been safe is kind of no i don't need that in this movie either <laughs> you know? um, oh, also also like to, to get the deviants frozen that it takes time they just don't frozen in an instant so like yeah exactly yeah so if, if there was someone with, with powers to do that would have just frozen them and hide them somewhere okay but like they froze in some way naturally i guess like or where did they get frozen like in the well, sea yeah, or it's something not, it's not made super clear if it was like a an environmental thing or there was a kind of an ice age that we didn't know of that caused it or because again it, it's not interested it's just wants you to think oh well the deviants what? are back so who cares <laughs> yeah um, i mean they, they could have just been frozen way before the last event was killed like could have been way older so mm. that's a possibility because well, we don't know we don't know if they're just leftovers of the last that's true deviants, yeah. or if they just been frozen sometime before that and like Earth yes. is very old and we have a lot of ice ages so there could be somewhere but like didn't the Eternals, like the Eternals must have noticed that some way i think that's the thing that bugs me is like i can accept i guess that there might have been reasons why there were at some point in the last millions of years or whatever that some of them may have been frozen but what bugs me is that like i said these these, these eternals their entire mission is to only 
worry about deviance. And it's just like, I, I also, can't believe they wouldn't notice that there was some just hiding frozen. Also, one one thing uh, different to that, which I I think I understood it that way. I don't know. I don't even know if it's right. But if it is, it annoys me really much, is that apparently, I don't know, was it the Eternals or the Celestials? Or, like someone was responsible for killing the dinosaurs. Yeah, no, it, it's that's a good was point, it? actually. Yeah, this was think... like 30 seconds where they just said, Oh, we killed the dinosaurs. And like, okay, <laughs> I think it was the celestials when they maybe when they created the deviants. Yeah, no, they, that's what they were saying was the deviants that they need to be stopped because the deviants will take out all the other kind of apex predators on a world or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what they had happened. And it was like, Oh, we messed up, so the eternals now have to stop the deviants from taking out the apex predators and affecting evolution in that way. And maybe the dinosaurs were a time when that effed up and went wrong in the past you know um but again th these things are really big concepts that they spend as you said like 30 seconds on and then just wash over because <laughs> you don't have time to deal with it which is a shame and, which just feels like something like oh that's a fun idea let's just do it for 30 seconds yeah exactly because, because it, it's a fun idea like oh the eternals could the well, this let's kill the dinosaurs because yeah. they needed and that's to. what prompted them to be like, Oh, these deviants were a bad idea, we shouldn't have done that. Let's create something to stop them, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like very much glossed over, and yeah, completely. The, the end of the film, there's not really a lot to talk about. I love the visual of the frozen kind of dreaming celestial uh, character, is really cool. I, I didn't love the idea that it was basically like Cersei can't matter transmute and use her powers on any sentient living things until she can but because they explain it as being part of the uni mind and the combined powers i can sort of forgive it it makes at least some logic to me um even though i didn't love that then she can turn sprite human because just because she has leftover power or whatever so oh well <laughs> we have to oh, do it also one thing like in the when they explained that this celestial is in the in the earth they showed visual of that and it's like this celestial being like what two times bigger than earth or something mm. <clears throat> or even more times bigger than earth like and just being very packed into it yeah and when they when they froze it it's like yes you could see the, the knee and the head and it's like how big is this like three four maybe five kilometers if you really positive yeah. but it's not like that big <laughs> i just want yeah what? yeah I mean, one of one of my friends had the exact same issue and it's one of those things where um the the size of the celestials i think is supposed to be changeable because in the comics it always varies anyway and it's one of those things like with kind of galactus and stuff that they're as big as you want them to be or as small as you want them to be and even in the like in the past when we've seen a clip guardians of the galaxy and he's like using the power stone on a planet and he's just walking amongst people just looking like he's about maybe 15 20 yeah. feet tall but certainly not like planet sized so i think it's just that they, maybe they start off smaller or they can change their size or shrink themselves or whatever but Again, it doesn't nearly get into that as much as it should because we know nothing about the Celestials other than they created these other species. And they were the things that kind of intrigued me the most that I would love to have learned a bit more about and seen more of. Also, yeah, okay, it's possible that they just can change sides. That mm. maybe they should have explained that, but like it makes sense. <clears throat> but why? have a visual where the celestial but mm. because they showed the celestial going out of the of at least a planet i don't, I don't remember if it was Earth, but they showed the celestial birth out of a planet and it was really big and it just exploded everything yeah. 
and then like the real event is like different like okay yeah. that didn't make sense to me i think it's a function of the fact that like i said in the comics the birth of a celestial doesn't destroy a planet um, in such that way but because they wanted that to be the stakes of this movie they kind of had to have it be no no if it comes out it will destroy a planet but you're right that visual doesn't make sense because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a matter of it just stretches and then the planet obliterates because it's so big it would be more like it opens a, a an earthquake fissure or whatever that then causes a chain reaction because it's not you're right it's not that big it, it just looks like an island kind of thing i guess because that's half frozen the little helmet and the knee thing um but yeah it's 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 super unclear and a lot of the broader concepts i think are which is a shame because they look good the visuals are amazing um and and i think the size of i think the, the size of the celestial in the end it's it's big enough that i would buy that it could destroy the planet if you just whip it open mm -hmm. it's big hole <clears throat> i would buy that it should, could destroy a planet even at this that's this size because if you just feel like three four kilometer big thing just get out of the core of earth <clears throat> yeah of course yeah. makes sense that uh well not completely destroyed but not humans living on it anymore yeah exactly so I, yeah. I just feel very weird that they just chose to do this visual where it's like earth exploding yeah basically. i think it was it was just literally <laughs> because they wanted the audience to think like oh this is terrible it would be the big end of the world and yeah it's it's a shame though because it does it's very unclear um but yeah speaking of the celestials that's the thing i want to the, the thing to me that frustrated me the most is that that was when the film really started to interest me and got most exciting is when arashem who in the comics is known as the judge appears at the very end and actually becomes the character he's supposed to be and says that he's kind of he wants to scan the Eternals memories to see if humanity's worth uh, surviving or not. That to me was the first time I was really thoroughly invested in the movie. And it's the last scene, basically. It doesn't do anything with it. It's obviously saved for a sequel or whatever. And I found that quite frustrating after like two and a half hours of waiting for something interesting to happen. Um, but again, I, I don't know if that's something you would relate to. Did you like that scene or did you, were you just exhausted? <laughs> what, <clears throat> what I mostly like about the MCU, even if it, does get sequels like movie sequels it's always a really complete movie and i think that just kind of broke it open into like like a two-part thing like okay mm -hmm. this is part one and it the same story it's the same storyline basically continuing yeah. further where it's like if, if you look at uh for example the first three iron man for, for example mm -hmm. they're like different movies like they, they're continuations of the same movie obviously but it's like every movie is closed up in some way it's not like you, you would never refer to to iron man one as part one and iron man two as part two and iron man three as part three like like a way other stuff yeah gets referred i know what you mean this 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 it seems a lot more like infinity war and end game than it does like you know. its own movie because you don't end your movie with okay i'm gonna judge if humanity's worth saving or not and then you'll just have to wait and see <laughs> it seems like a weird place to end it um yes yeah but again i guess they're hedging their bets for the future and that's you know that's what they would do at this point so fair enough what's um, what's really weird because i think i've read an interview before the movie was coming out that this film was supposed to be very closed up and like they weren't, weren't sure like i think the direct director said it in the interview, that they weren't sure if they were going to make a second movie and 
if it's mm. gonna be successful and stuff and we don't know we should wait and it doesn't feel like you're gonna wait anywhere yeah no i, I understand <laughs> like, what the I, i think the point is that even if they don't get a direct second sequel all of the things will be addressed in other future marvel movies um and i noticed the film does end with the words the eternals will return so whether it's in a sequel or in another movie yeah. or you know a series or whatever th these plots will be wrapped up because they can't be left hanging um But again, I don't know if the performance of the movie and the critical response means that it won't get like an Eternals 2 or if they do, if it'll just be a massive change of tone, like kind of Thor Ragnarok style or who knows. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see it anyway. Yeah, but but I also think if they don't just give this storyline full time, it just if they're just going to address it part by part in different mm. other stuff, movie series. No, I'd like to have this this thing addressed in its own similar if it's a movie or tv series i don't even care yeah oh i agree i think it, it needs but... it needs its own movie and i would prefer yeah. personally for to see it be a movie because it's it's the plot that i'm more interested in than this first film yes. and it feels like now the setup and everything's out the way so you could get into it and you wouldn't have to explain who who all the different players were the celestials and the eternals and stuff so i do hope that, that there isn't like the equivalent of an eternals 2 or Eternals, the Celestial Saga, or whatever they want to call it, that deals with these grand sci-fi-ish concepts, you know? Um, yes. Fingers crossed, anyway. Um, but yeah, just to, just to end things, and I wanted to talk, because I know you wanted to as well, about the post-credit scenes. Um, so again, I probably should have said this throughout, but spoilers, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie or you haven't seen it, didn't stick around for the post-credit scenes. Um, but the first one is that we see the other Eternals who haven't been taken by RHM that you're just still on their spaceship. And they are visited by Pip the Troll, as played by Patton Oswalt, and Eros, or Star Fox, uh, as played, unfortunately, by Harry Styles. <laughs> I, I really want to know why they did this casting. Because... I know. <laughs> I, I just want to know, because I, I, I can see them just doing the casting because they felt like it was a fit. Why not? But I, but I also have in the back of my mind, it very much could be just because they they wanted this name. Yeah, I and I just want just like to know that it's it strikes me very as pandering. Like, oh, we we're doing really well, but we could do with more of a a teenage girl, young woman type audience. So let's do a bit of casting that might get them interested, kind of thing. Um, which which I which I get, I, I get that, but I think they could have just used this in maybe somewhere different because i don't feel like the eternals and just what the eternals stand for and this whole well not universe but this whole area of the eternals it's probably not something that's like typical teenage girl i would say i think they could have yeah. just gone into a different franchise with um, franchise different uh, series with that which which more um plays with this audience yeah i mean maybe we're being cynical and maybe you know i haven't seen dunkirk maybe he did this is a fantastic performance and he turns out that he's a great actor um but i, I will think a lot of people liked him in that uh, yeah. if i remember but i haven't seen it myself that's fair enough i will admit though that star fox is a character that i know almost nothing about from the comics it's getting into the cosmic stuff that's Wait, very much my, my blind star fox. yeah he well his character his, <laughs> his official name is eros but then he joined the avengers and was given the code name star fox because it was thought that okay. eros was inappropriate so yeah <laughs> um but yeah i, I, I think mind. of star fox just on the nintendo game star yeah the fox. video game do a battle <laughs> roll yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i think they came after the character was debuted in comics but 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind the casting and everything so much if it wasn't for the fact that they've even said since that they've got big plans for that character in the future. And it's like, oh, I don't want to see that actor. And I really don't want to see... The, the more I research that character and it turns out that like his power is basically that he can... If he goes near a, a woman, then they become instantly like super pleasure attracted to him or something. So he's effectively just a big sex pest. <laughs> he's been put on trial for like sex crimes and things in the comics. And I'm like... I don't want to deal with these storylines in the future. This just seems really uncomfortable to me. You know? um, but yeah, we I, I guess we have to hope they do something good. But I will say, I do know the character of Pip the Troll, and he is kind of fun and funny. And I like that casting of Patton Oswalt as the character as well. Um, so I can stand to see more of him, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, did you have any other thoughts on that scene or no? <laughs> no, just, yeah, it was just it. I have more thoughts on the second. Okay. Yeah, again, slight spoilers because there's something that was revealed since after the um, event of this post-credit scene uh, that you wouldn't have known on known from just watching it, but that really excited me. Uh, but basically, just getting into it, the scene is Dean Whitman opens uh, a box of something with his family crest on. Uh, there's been hints throughout the film that you know his family history is not what it uh, what 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 he said to Cersei in the past, and we see basically the uh, the ebony blade from the comics, which this character is a comic book character. Dan Whitman is the Black Knight and the ebony blade is kind of this mystical sword. So we see the effect it has as it becomes kind of liquidized and tries to overtake him, I guess, um, which, you know, leads to lots of other possible plot lines down the, down the road. And then we just hear a voice off screen and don't see who it is asking him, uh, Mr. Whitman, are you sure you're ready for that yet? Which, uh, spoiler alert, turns out that that's the character of Blade. And that's his first appearance, or non-appearance in the MCU, um, which is really yeah. cool. And I, I love that. It opens up a lot of possibilities. And I love that that character's in England. I love that he might be forming a kind of mystical version of the Avengers or like a supernatural version. That's all cool. Um, but yeah, so what did you want to say about that scene then, Toby? Yeah, first of all, Dan has a blade that is... Well, I just wrote down somehow legendary because that was all I got of this. Mm. And that's it. It's like nowhere it's hinted. We don't have any connection at all to anything. It's like, oh, he, well, we don't have any use for this character anymore. Or we couldn't find a more creative use of for this character. Let's just connect him some way as... Um, with this blade, as I, I already forgot what the character's name was. The yeah, the character in the comics is the Black Knight, and the Black weapon Knight. is called <clears throat> the weapon's called the Ebony Blade, which they do hint at earlier in the film because I forgot. There's a scene that's confused almost everybody that's seen the film when Dina is kind of playing with a sword on the ship, and they ask her if it's the Ebony Blade, and she says that it's Excalibur, uh -oh. which a lot of people have read as meaning that the Ebony Blade and Excalibur are the same thing, which is not what she's saying. She's saying that she has Excalibur not the ebony blade because obviously that's okay. still on earth so so that felt just really random and I just thought they just could have should have just went with dane like in a sequel or something giving him like some connection to cersei maybe again and just let that just be and don't just go further with it because it's just really random for me it's like yeah, oh well it's... We, we have we have this actor that we want to do something with how about that? <laughs> it's really weird because it's kind of they, they've done it the they've done it backwards the way the opposite way that the comics have done, which is the comics have the character established and his connection to all these kind of magic cursed objects and his Black Knight persona and everything. Then he gets in a relationship with Cersei, so it's kind of an established character. It doesn't like have her have a relationship with a human being that then you see kind of develop these powers and stuff. So it seems like they did it the wrong way around, I guess. But. Again, I was the most excited because I really love that character because uh, it's kind of like it, it's similar to like English folklore type stuff. And there's a like uh, 
there's a really cool concept of like whenever the sword actually takes blood it curses the the person wielding it a bit more and stuff and these are all great ideas that i think are going to be fantastic for any future film down the line especially if they feed into like blade and vampires and stuff but, oh so yeah. that that's why he asked him if he really wants to do that exactly oh, yeah. Yeah. because yeah. that also just feel like oh blade and uh, a blade and it's cursed okay cool <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing it, it would have been nice if they'd spent time to get into that instead of just having that as a hint because that's a really cool storyline so yeah explain it a bit you know <laughs> um, also, also it felt really weird in, in the movie when it's like um just someone talking and it's like and i this is no joke when i watched the scene what i thought was had happened was that the blade like the ebony blade was talking to him oh right yeah that was, that, that's I what i right got right. off it because yeah. it's like are you ready for this like okay that makes sense the blade could just give him that thought or something like that it's not thought but like said yeah. that to him in a way in the mind i see that yeah. way that's what i got of it and then and then i opened wikipedia and it's like oh well it's blade it's, it's blade the character which is also really confusing to talk about we talk about the blade the object and blade. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um yeah it was really weird when i when i wrote this in in my notes like yeah but... i'm still I, I was still super excited to learn that it was blade but i wished it had the character appear because that yes removes all that confusion and it would have it wouldn't have been that difficult presumably to get they, they have the actor do a voiceover and it is the same actor it's mahershala ali who's going to be playing blade who does the voiceover it's like how hard would it have been to just film him and have like one scene and just show him you know what i mean it's not even like you need a costume or anything because blade the character doesn't have one it's just like a leather jacket basically so it's not hard to to have him completely in character either yeah so eh, anyway <laughs> yeah um, also also i think if they had him appear i would have probably noticed that even even yes. though i don't read comics like for people who are at least that invested in the MCU that they keep up to date with announcement and stuff like that and I think that's that's the best audience did this post credit scene should have people who are really invested in everything of the MCU but not into the comics like yeah that's the best audience you could get for a post scene. and I would have noticed that I would have seen character and would like because I just would have noticed the character and would have been, okay that's cool okay yeah like, it doesn't work that oh it could be anybody no the internet knows in one day who it is yeah, exactly <laughs> <People> yeah. <notice. laughs> like yeah. someone in the audience will notice this voice be like oh i know who that is and yeah exactly going. well that's it and then just it's such just spreads to wikipedia apparently <laughs> mm. well no it was chloe zhao had uh, did an interview and confirmed that it was the actor that, that did it okay. and it was supposed to be the character of blade and it's like well if the director wants you to know yeah. that have her include it in the film <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. um but anyway uh so just to finish up then well um I, I, I will get into the audience stuff afterwards but just to finish our kind of part of this uh, i always kind of end with like a conclusion and then a score out of five stars um so did you i always let my guests go first as well so did you want to go first and give your conclusion and uh, what you would rate this yeah. movie out of five okay um I think what this movie was trying, what a lot of the things the movie was trying to, I think every route this movie was trying to go was and would have been an interesting route to go to. I mm. don't think I have any route that I like, oh, that would have been bad anyway, good that they just didn't explore. I think every route is interesting in its own way to explore, but they opened up so many things that every route was not explored in any good way and was just left hanging and felt mm. unsatisfying because of that. 
the, I would have really wished that to, that they just would have committed to one route that we were going to go to and ha would have the other stuff play out sometime later because all of the story, most of the storylines that were established here could have also been played out in a later mm -hmm. some some way, not the same way, but like some way. Yeah. For example, Fina's mind thing, they could have done that later somehow that she was losing control and they they could have done the love triangle also in the sequel if they wanted to cut mm -hmm. that back. They could have. Yeah. Like a lot of the things they could have done just in a later movie, series, whatever. But they granted all in here. Potentially, I think maybe because they wanted to open up this whole judgment storyline, which is also big. Yeah. So they just tried to end everything they opened up somehow here and it just didn't work. It was very messy most of the time. I like the visuals. I want to say that positively. I really like yes. the visuals. I also uh I really I really like the historic scenes. They look great. They were I like I just like them and hope also hope that we would have seen more of that. Mm. I think that's the storyline I would have gone to if I, I would have made a movie. I would have yeah. gone more into yeah. the into the storyline of developing this huge history of Earth and then the Eternals slowly coming to appreciate Earth more and more. Yeah. I think that's the world I would have gone to. I would have scrapped the love triangle, scrapped the mind vibe thing. Yeah, there's too many and, subplots, basically, isn't there? It's very stuffed. Yeah. I think that's the world I would have gone to. Yeah, focus it more completely. Yeah. But every other world would have been also a good movie, I think. Yeah. Just like focus on one so okay okay uh score overall i you i normally don't score scar so i don't really have an idea of what to score out of five you said yeah um maybe a two okay fair enough um one what? one seems very hard because it was not yeah. a shit movie it was like no it isn't they, they no. tried a lot of things and everything they tried was good but not executed everything yeah. was interesting and I want to give them that, that they really try to do something big. Also, I want to uh, give the MCU some props to just go somewhere different, which is, yeah. which I really like that the MCU is doing oh, this now. So and, many uh, different things and it's really great. And I want to just praise them for that again. And yeah, two out of five, I think. Yeah, we're on very similar pages, but um, so I'll just give you my thoughts and, and compare. Um, my quick conclusion uh, is from my letterboxed page and it's just, uh, I have no pleasure in saying this, and I don't say it often, but I'm afraid the critics got it right this time. Let me say first that it's not the worst movie ever. It's far from being even the worst comic book movie, and it's not even the worst thing in the MCU, but it's the worst possible MCU movie, probably. It's definitely a strong contender. Um, for such a praised director, especially when it comes to visuals, I found a lot of the scenes surprisingly dull and flat. The pacing was laborious and the characters were either annoying or impossible to connect with. There's some good acting and some intriguing future setup because it's the MCU after all, um, but it all gets the bare minimum of screen time. Even a character and actor who were announced, the, the Kit Harrington character with the film, makes me wonder why they were in it and wish that they weren't previously announced. Plus the film, um, without getting into spoilers, features the single worst bit of casting in the MCU, which was a less than pleasant surprise. Um, we discussed that in the post credit scene. Uh, some of the action was really cool. A few of the more Jack Kirby style things pop, and it's probably more average than bad. However, the fact that I basically keep looking for lower bars that the film cleared really says it all. 
uh, and I basically gave it two and a half stars out of five because okay. I think exactly down the middle is as fair as I can be because like you, it's not terrible. It's very watchable and it still has a lot of MCU moments, but I can't give it a passing grade, so I would have to stick exactly in the middle. Um, so yeah, so that would make the average uh, overall score for the podcast then would be 2.25 out of five for Eternals. So... Not Can a... I just say one more thing? Yeah, because yeah. I actually do keep a ranking of of all MCU projects. Okay. Ex ex except I haven't included what if into this ranking because it just doesn't fit to me to rank this anywhere. <clears throat> because it doesn't feel to me like a MCU project. Like, don't yeah. open this up. It just isn't included. So we have 90, uh, 92, 92 projects, twenty nine projects. Okay. Uh, I have it on place twenty of twenty nine. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. I think I I was debating between it, and then after sitting with it for a little while, I think it's currently above Thor The Dark World, Iron Man 3, and controversially Spider-Man Homecoming, which I just didn't care for. <laughs> but it's like fourth from bottom, I think, in my personal rankings. So I, I, I just give you a quick rundown of what is below it. Okay. Quickly. Hulk, the first two tours, Ant-Man 1, Iron Man 3, Avengers Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, Captain America Civil War and Falcon Winter Soldier are all below each other. The rest is above. Wow. wow, you and I have different tastes, but that's good. <laughs> it's good that we are... Uh, I, I, I can just quickly give you my top five, okay? Okay, um, go for it. Uh, number five is the first... The, actually, not the first Avenger, but Avengers 1, like the original okay. Avengers movie. Yeah, yeah. Place, place number four goes to Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Place number three is Infinity War. Okay. Place number two goes to Winter Soldier, as a Captain America Winter Soldier. And place number one is, and that's probably the most controversial one, but the first Doctor Strange. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like Doctor Strange a lot more than most people, but I think it's it's in it's just squeaking into my top ten. Um, I'll leave a link to my letterbox in the comments uh, or the, the description because my all my lists and things I like doing are on there, and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, so just to, just to finish things off then for this particular episode, uh, without going too long, uh, I wanted to get us into the uh, audience responses. Um, so as I said, I did send out uh, the usual tweet and just said, what were your thoughts if you've seen it on Eternals? Um, and I wanted to share just the few responses that I got. Um, the first one is from at Bleak Buer, who says, it was different from the previous MCU movies and I'm okay with that. It didn't address all the questions it brought up, like where did Icarus appear to, disappear to for 500 years? But, was, but I was okay with it. So all in all, a good start to phase four. Okay. Uh, at Pappy underscore 1701 says, I just came from it. It was okay. Best take on it that I've read. This is what happens when you try to develop all your characters in one movies. I kind of get it. Going cosmic, you want a big screen, but I think this deserved a six-episode miniseries, but you probably wouldn't have gotten the big-name actors that they got. I don't know about that. We, we tend to get a lot of big actors on TV these days, but fair enough. Um, at Tom underscore Sly, who uh, is a regular contributor, says... Visually stunning, well-directed, really good, although wasted in some areas. Cast, just enjoyable, not brilliant, but not as awful as Thor The Dark World. Okay. Uh, and finally, at Simarad, again, regular contributor to this and my Star Trek podcast, says, I went in, almost didn't, with low expectations, but I ended up really enjoying it to the extent that I'm genuinely mystified at the negative reviews. I really hope that the events of this film are properly followed up in future ones, as people should really be shaken by the finale. So, yeah. Um, so that was the, the sort of audience's uh, responses to the movie. But as I mentioned up top, I did also ask uh, the audience for, with the, with us being almost at the end of this first year of Phase 4, how would you rank the seven Phase 4 projects so far? 
Um, and I just wanted to go through just yeah, get not a lot of responses, but just the few that I had. Uh, and I'll start with my listing, which is that I have basically What If at number seven, Eternals at number six, Loki at five, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at four, Black Widow at three, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier at two, and WandaVision at number one. Um, so just to, to give you the other people's, at Mangler112 has uh, not seen Eternals, but they have Black Widow at number six, what if at number five, Falcon and Winter Soldier at four, Shang-Chi at three, Loki at two, and also WandaVision at number one. Uh, and at Tom Sly has Falcon and the Winter Soldier at seven, Eternals at six, Black Widow at five, What if at four, Loki at three, Shang-Chi at two, and again WandaVision top at number one. <clears throat> at Simarad has What if at number seven, Black Widow at six, Falcon and the Winter Soldier at five, Eternals at four, one division at three, Shang-Chi at two, and Loki at one. But adds, honestly, if you ask me in five minutes, it might be a different order. The important thing is I really liked the top four, mostly enjoyed five and six, and enjoyed odd bits of seven. Uh, but the other response I got was from you, Toby. Um, so yeah. did, did you want to give us your uh, top seven yourself? Yeah, because I just noticed that my top seven is different from, um, from my official list, because I just written it quickly down, because okay. I didn't have, I don't have my Excel sheet everywhere. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. So I, I want to go my official list. Okay, go for it. But I want, need to start from one because otherwise I just overlook that. Number one no is problem. WandaVision. Number two goes to Loki. Three, Shang-Chi. Then where's next? Four, Eternals. Five, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh no, Shang- sorry. One, WandaVision. Two, Loki. Three, Shang-Chi. Four, Black Widow. I missed that. Five, Eternals. Six, Falcon Winter Soldier. And then, not my official list, but... I still stand by it. Number seven, what if? Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't think what if struck quite as hard as it should have, but it seems like Eternals is... I still have to watch that last it. episode. I... Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, yesterday I watched the, the, the episode six, no, no, seven and eight, because mm. I just had time. I, I didn't really keep up with what if, because it just didn't interest me at, at yeah. all. Yeah, I was expecting but... a little more, but... Cool. Um, well, yeah, so I'm looking forward to, anyway to Hawkeye, which starts very soon. Yes. And, uh, and obviously to Spider-Man No Way Home, which hopefully will be as big as everyone thinks it's going to be. Not as messy as this movie. Yeah, hopefully not, because if it tries to, to do too much, that's a worry. But uh, yeah, so uh, thanks so much to you, uh, Toby, for, for coming to join me and uh, discussing all things Eternals in the MCU. Uh, I've had a really good time. So did you want to plug your social medias or anything? Yeah. First of all, lovely to be here. Um, my social media is I'm on Twitter, Dark underscore Sonic 2002. And yeah, I actually have a YouTube channel, which I don't on, only upload reviews in German. So probably no one will could watch I can, this. I can still link to it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's 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 called, it's, it's in German, Zusammenschauen. It's called, mm -hmm. which, okay. which translates to watching together because I watch together with a friend of mine stuff oh, okay. and we, we, we review it like we just did now. Cool. That's fair enough. Again, I've had a really good time and uh, come back next week when I'm not 100% sure, but I think I'm either going to have an uh, MCU corner to corner review talking about Shazam or possibly Spider-Man 2. Uh, but stay tuned and I will reveal that one way or the other. Uh, and I have got all the rest of the schedule planned. It's up there on the Twitter page, which you can find at podcast underscore screen, or you can find my personal page at Iron Mike Wilson. 
Uh, and uh, if you're interested in all things Star Trek, at HOMTrek or at HOMTrek on Twitter has the link to the Star Trek Hit or Miss YouTube channel that I've uh, I've just finished series one of that podcast, and that's got 11 episodes you can check out anytime. Um, so, yeah, and in the meantime, if anybody wants to talk movies, uh, feel free. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, Toby. Have a great day, everyone. And uh, in the epic words of Arnie, I'll be back. Thank you.